There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's questions from the audience. I think that this is going to be a good questions from the audience. You know, sometimes I get done with recording questions from the audience and I think about the things we talked about and whether this be back in the day when the Sea Monster was producing or now with Gangster Pete producing. And I think, God, I have a feeling what I said could be taken the wrong way and it could lead to a headache and maybe I should have, have them just scrap that and I'll come back in and do a different one. And I kind of felt that way about last week's. I, I, even though I know I'm answering questions from a place of what I would call, um, I guess, purity, although I know that's not the right word. In other words, there are no ulterior motives. There's no like, ooh, this is a chance for me to talk about this. I just know that some things can come off the wrong way, even though I know my intent isn't to. Like, for example, DraftKings. And how we regularly lose money on DraftKings. And I, I'm transparent about how much I lose. I can see somebody taking that like, oh, you're bragging that you lost this much money. Which is a weird thing to say because it's nothing really to brag about. But the purpose is the transparency. It's like you can't talk about having 300 rosters in a, you know, PGA Tour major. And... And then, you know, how much you could win and then people not having any idea of what you own. Because I mean, I certainly don't own, you know, hell, I, I own 10% of this stuff. And I could come off the wrong way when you're betting, you know, whereas if I lose 50 bucks, you know, it's, it's I don't enjoy it, but it's not the biggest deal. Somebody who, if they did lose 50 bucks, go, oh, you fuck you, you know, like you don't think 50 bucks is a big deal. So it's, it's a weird deal. So maybe I need to stop doing that. I don't know. So last week's example of that was one of the questions was country clubs. And I answered it honestly. I also know the place where I belong is not, and I think even the people who are members there for the most part would say the same thing, that it's not like, you know, Old Warson or Belle Reve or St. Louis or whatever. But I still know that the vast majority of people aren't members of country clubs. And so just the mention of country club gets people up in their defensive positions. And then that can be a negative. So it's a weird thing. So I understand that. I don't really understand the unrelatable thing on the Florida thing, and it irritates me. It irritates me more around the circumstances of how the whole thing came to fruition, to be candid with you. Um, not necessarily saying that, because I would do that again for my family anytime I can. But um, I get it on the talking about money with betting and DraftKings and uh, and even the country club question, which wasn't like, hey, tell me about what it's like to be. It was like, do you think it's worth it? You know, because I love to play golf. Do you think it's worth it? And I'm going, well... You know, country clubs, it, it comes in different forms. Um, you know, I mean, joining Old Warson is a different discussion than joining damn near any other country club in St. Louis. So, you know, we're talking about different different situations here. So anyway, I think this one, I think this one will be the Statue of Liberty of questions from the audience where everyone is welcome, no matter what your background is. Let's see, I, last week on the uh, TMA fan page, had a bunch of good questions come in, but it was after we had started recording. 
And, um, and so I got done. I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have seen these like right beforehand because there were some good ones. And it's, uh, and so I'm looking forward to answering those. Plus this one that I'm going to have be our leadoff man today. It comes from Jared. Hey, Tim, I'm getting ready to enter my thirties and I'm expecting a lot of changes in my life as I transition from a young adult in my twenties to a father and husband in my thirties. My wife and I were married last year and we are currently talking about when to start trying to have children. I was wondering, do you have any regrets or important life lessons you learned from your 30s that you could share, since I imagine many other listeners are in the same boat as I am? Thanks, Jared. Great question, Jared. Big fan. Um, yeah, I'm glad you asked it because it allows me to, you know, uh, to reflect in some capacity. And one thing I've, I've found, here's a lot, I guess this is a life lesson, although I don't necessarily feel like it's a life lesson. It seems like it's obvious, but maybe it's not because I've been there. I'll, I'll, I'll attempt to draw an analogy. And I know there's a lot of hate on, on you know, take a, take a pick of like Yelp as an app or TripAdvisor as a site for reviewing vacations, whatever the case might be. But let me put it this way. Assuming the person reviewing the destination, the hotel, the restaurant, the airline, whatever the case might be, assuming they're operating on the up and up and they're being honest and they actually have used the service and they're not a plant that works for a competing entity. Who do you want to get your review from? Somebody who has been there or somebody who is speculating what it's like to go there? The answer is obvious. It's the former. And so I think, whereas oftentimes I speak about how I feel, and I feel confident when I say this, that for whatever reason, young people in St. Louis, although I think it's changing, but for the most part, young people in St. Louis are uh, cast aside more often than not, or not involved more often than not in metropolitan area issues, city issues, young people can be healthily represented, if healthily is a word. Um, but, you know, across the, it's like, you get, and I can already like name the people who'll be at these events. It's just an odd thing. It's so like, it's like wild, wild west, small town with a dirt road, a few, you know, horses and everybody knows, you know, this family has this shop and this family has this shop and this guy's the, you know, the, the sheriff. So, I think with regard to complaining about how young people are oftentimes cast aside in St. Louis, St. Louis metropolitan area, I feel in general, at least in American culture, that older people and the value of not just because they're old, but because of experiences, the wisdom that you get from experiences or just the ability to tell a story, even if you don't hear a lesson in the story, but you go, oh, wow, that happens at that place or that happens when you turn 50 or this is in play when you're 55 and, you know, you know, or no, I've worked here, you know, and you know, I've worked now at four different companies since I've been in the workforce for 30 years. And this is one thing I look for. I just think there's so much value in that and to listen so much value in that. And so now I suppose at 42 and as someone who is now a parent and has recently experienced the change in life that is as material as it gets personally, I think, at least for what I can speak to in my experience, um, when you go from not having a child to having a child, it's not being single to married. At least it wasn't for me. Um, it was not having a child to having a child. That is the biggest change personally. What would I say about that? Because that, Jared, it sounds like that's, that's, it seems like that's where you're heading with this in addition to perhaps some other things. Um, you know, 
I will make, I will say this and I've said it before, but I also realize new listeners come on board. Um, you know, from, for Anna Marie and I, my wife and I to, uh, to have a baby, we were told, I think it was in 2016 that we probably weren't going to ever be able to get pregnant. We had had, uh, we tried IVF twice, was unsuccessful. She had miscarriages. Um, so we're in a different, um, mindset in that, um, Anna Marie was in her mid to late twenties when we got married. Um, you know, different ball game with regard to having children. If we would have been able to have children right away in our marriage, we would have had a child five years earlier than we did. Um, I think, I think one of the things and I could be wrong on this and now I could get into here's, here's where I go. I thought I was going to have a nice clean question from the audience and I might get into a spot now where I might piss people off. Could be wrong. Mrs. Dotum, who I, who I say on TMA is the, uh, I think the smartest person listening to the show. Um, Juan from PP Corp is in the mix too. Um, you know, we were talking about kids and what age you have kids. And it's really, I don't think, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think, I don't think the majority of parents go, oh, it's, I'm 30. It's now time to have children or, oh, it's 35. We better have children now. Or, oh, I'm, you know, we got married and I'm 23. That's way too young. I think, I think for the majority, so I'm not making an absolute statement, uh, people just have children when they have children, i.e. fucking. Now, now having played out a hand of being a parent and having played out a hand of simply being a husband with no children, I would say it is a better experience, even though I can't speak to the experience of being a parent in my mid or late 20s. For me personally... I don't think I would have enjoyed being a parent as much as I'm enjoying it if I would have been a parent in my 20s. But again, this is not an absolute statement. It's looking at my own individual personality, which was uh, Arrested Development, Peter Pan. You know, I just was not there. Uh, And I don't think I was necessarily even there in my early 30s. So it's a case-by-case scenario, but I can speak to me. And I also think part of that was like the constant career batshit stuff that we would have to navigate. So I, for me, I guess, I mean, I guess if, I don't know. I mean, if, if I'm like, okay, if we would have gotten pregnant, like right when we got married, 2011, or she's pregnant in 2012, whatever. And I think about, oh yeah, the man and woman thing came along in 2013. And so I started up 920 in 2013. Would I have done that? If my wife was pregnant, I know I'm not, I'm not sure if I would have, you know, that factors in with your risk and your reward calculations professionally when it impacts you so personally. So, um, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, when I'm 40, then, then we'll have a baby. That's not it. We were under the impression we weren't going to be able to have one. So, um, now that, you know, these are the cards we have been dealt, I can tell you this. I would, I, I used to say to my wife, um, you know, if we have children, and, and part of it was because I was worried that we weren't going to be able to have children. I didn't want to make her feel negatively um, if we weren't able to have children. So part of it was was that reason. But also part of it was, being very honest, is if we have children, that would be incredible. But if we don't have children, that would be fine. And that's honestly how I, how I felt. It truly is how I felt. Again, part of it was because I worried that she would feel Um, like she let me down if we weren't able to have children, but 
that's truthfully when it gets down to it, it's how I felt. Um, but now that I do have a son and especially, uh, now that he is 20 months old, it's just, it truly is. It's the greatest thing in the world that I have experienced. And I don't even know what's in second place. And I don't say this stuff like as a joke because I do think there's something to say. And I like it. I certainly don't apologize for it. I think it's, a, it's the second greatest shit in the world. Having had some wonderful evenings of just sexual gluttony, you know, I mean, what you, what you, the type of stuff that you don't even think is possible. I mean, just it's, 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 it's what it's, 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 it's absolutely the best. And, you know, Las Vegas and Miami and, and World Series of Poker and getting fucked up and hanging out and whatever. I mean, all the, there really is, people like to downplay it. Now that I'm a father, I don't like that shit. I still love that shit. It's great. And I think it's one, I think it's healthy too. I think it's unhealthy to act like you don't like it, but whatever. If you don't like it, then great. But I like it and I don't apologize for liking it. With that all said, my time with my son, my time with my son and my wife, I mean, and it could be the dumbest shit. It could be putting him in bed. It's the absolute best. It's the absolute best. And you don't, and it's, it's one of those things that you don't know until you experience it. And there's no words that I could possibly say to me, say at 38 years old, to, to possibly convey it properly because it's something that you simply have to experience. And again, I'm only working on a 20-month sample size. And as I've said now a couple of times, the first six months, nah, I could do without that. And that's coming from the guy perspective, of course. But I, that, that, one, that wasn't the greatest. But this, this is just the absolute best. It's the absolute best. It's the absolute best. And people keep doing it. just keeps keep getting better. And don't get me wrong. It also, it also cuts both ways. It can also be the absolute, I don't know if it's the absolute worst, but there's certainly times of frustration or, you know, like this past weekend, for example. Um, my wife, I was, I was going to go, uh, at one point anyway, the whole family, me, Anna Marie and Jameson, were going to go to, uh, Anna Marie's cousin's wedding, which is in Florida. And then it's just, you know, obviously you're traveling with a one-year-old. It can be difficult. So I'm like, I'll just stay in, in St. Louis and watch him. And, you know, in a normal circumstance, as I'm sure plenty of you are thinking, you know, your wife's out of town. It's a chance to hang out with some friends. Blues are playing playoff games in St. Louis. Go get fucked up and, you know, sketch out and all those things. Um, and as much as, you know, listen, that would have been fine. Uh, but, you know, I loved my time with my son. Just absolutely loved it. Loved it. Loved it. You know, but at the same time, if I wanted to go, you know, do something, I didn't have that freedom. But again, the trade-off, the juice being worth the squeeze is the time with my son. And there's also this thing, and, and you don't realize it, and I'm sure a lot of parents are going, yes, because one of the things I would hear, and I still occasionally hear, but it certainly, it certainly heard it when he was born, was, oh, they grow up so fast. Enjoy this time. And I always, I never want to say that to anybody. I never will say, because I just, I felt like, even though I know it didn't come with any form of malicious intent or condescension or anything, I felt like it kind of came off that way. Like, oh, I've been here and you haven't, so better do this. I'm just like, oh, fuck. But, um, you know, I don't realize it as I'm in the moment, but then I see pictures of him, of course, you know, here over the last 20 months. And I'm like, oh my God, even the last year when I thought he was grown up, he looks like a baby versus now. And then I'm sure in a year from now, I'll be like, oh my God, you know? And so this, this being, which can't, you know, get enough of hanging out with me, I am aware at some point here in the not that distant future, that is going to change and it'll change for a decade or so, or he's like, I don't want this motherfucker around. 
you know, it's part of the game. And I will probably long for these moments where I'm watching Tiger Woods chip in on the 16th in 2005 for the 3,000th time, where now we have moved on, actually, not to Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, but Game 7 of the 2011 World Series, which, if you're ranking the games of the 2011 World Series, I think would be the least good game, but it was Game 7 of the 2011 World Series, and the reason why he likes to watch that is he likes the fireworks. So we watch the fireworks, but we watch Jason Mott, get uh, David Murphy out over and over again. And Alan Craig makes the catch and comes running in. And, and there you have the fireworks and, and that's what we watch. Fireworks, fireworks, fireworks. So we watch fireworks, but now we're at a point also where he crawls up on the couch next to me and he'll blurt out what he wants to watch. It's either baseball or hockey. And he wears his blue sweater during the playoff games. And it's just the greatest damn thing. And there's nothing to it, by the way. It's not like anything fascinating is going on. It's a 20 month old sitting next to me in a blue sweater. But I just love it. And I know those of you who are parents, you love it as well. So I guess even though I know I'm not telling any story that uh, is all that fascinating, um, you probably can tell how much I love it. And then so therefore, if you're on the fence about being a parent, do with it what you want. But this is coming from someone um, who didn't like, you know, like cash in my chips, like, oh, I'm 30, it's time to grow up and not start playing, you know, or stop playing poker and stop hanging out with porn stars and, you know, stop acting like I watch pornography. And, you know, the age thing to me, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. It's the, uh, the miles on the tires more so. And, um, you know, I mean, I I felt that way then and I feel that way now. And, and I, uh, so I would, whether you turn 30 and if you and your wife are like, yeah, let's wait a few years, enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. The uh, dual income, no children thing, enjoy it. If you guys have the flexibility and the freedom to travel, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. But if both of you, both of you, not one of you, if both of you want to have a child, now having, you know, it was only 2016 where I was, you know, in Las Vegas regularly. It's not that far, not that long ago. Um, You know, being a parent is just... Like I said, first six months, eh, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't spin that for you. Um, I mean, it's not like it's the worst thing, but I, I also can't spin it into being the best thing. But uh, after that, the personality develops. It truly is the absolute greatest thing. It just is. I don't know. I'm so grateful for the life experience of being a parent. I am so grateful for it. And so if that is the question that you are asking, Jared, um, that is, that is my, that is my counsel from somebody who has, who has now been to that destination. Um, you know, I, I guess professionally, um, I don't know, you know, it's, it's there. I don't know if there have been a lot of, you know, I guess I suppose I would just be curious how things, but it's not like something I wish I did. It would just be curious. Like if I could like, uh, go back like, uh, the great Gwyneth Paltrow, 1998, 1999, I don't know the years, Tim, the film Sliding Doors. Uh, like what would have happened had I gone to New York and just what would have happened? But I don't, I don't like, oh, that'd be great. I'd be, you know, ad-libbing over Buck Celtics highlights right now. You know, I, I don't know if that's that, but just out of curiosity. Um, but uh, I, I guess maybe being more aggressive, but again, that doesn't mean balls to the wall aggressive, but just maybe being more aggressive. Um you know, and, and I, I think perhaps, which I know leads into one of the questions that's one of the questions on the fan page this week, uh, maybe, 
an appreciation slash realization that what we have with TMA is not as commonplace as maybe all of us on the show perhaps initially thought. And now I think we have a greater appreciation for how unique it is. And then with that, capitalizing on that more because there is a finite uh, time for TMA. So I hope that answers the question, Jared. A gangster Pete, you're in your late thirties. What counsel as a single, as far as I know, not a parent, maybe, maybe you are a parent and it's just not something you want to talk about. Feel free not to talk, but I have no idea what you have going on. Uh, what would you say to young Jared? Uh, different strokes for different folks. Do what makes you happy. If you're ready to settle down and have family, do that. If you're ready to keep having fun, keep doing that. You can do both. That's true. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, about half my friends are married. Well, actually probably probably higher than that, probably about three quarters. And uh, a lot of them are still really fun to be around. I yeah. love meeting their kids. They're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a different, different stage in your life. Yeah. I think a lot of it is the ability to, uh, to have time. I th- this, th- here's another, here's one, this one. And I, do, and I, do, and I had people say this, um, I guess, I guess the person's name is irrelevant, although everybody would know the name if I said it. Um, but, but you know, and I, and I really don't know the way around this, honestly. But I feel like um, Anna Marie and I, I mean, I'll, I can't blame her. I got to blame myself. But I, it, people said, you got to make sure you have time for yourselves. You got to make sure that, you know, and, and, I, and I really don't know the way around that, especially when we're really lucky. All four of our parents um, live within 15 minutes of it. Um, you know, so... But I also think it's a case by case with a child. You know, now I don't have another child to compare it to, but I see like my, my, both of my brothers have children who are within, you know, one is a month younger than Jameson and one is four months, five months younger than Jameson. And so we all can compare and contrast with, with the behaviors of the children. And Jameson's just bat shit. Now it's entertaining, but I mean, he is bat shit, bat shit. The only time he's not moving around and, you know, like he's actually like a really sweet kid with blonde hair and he smiles and I swear I'm not being facetious. It's like, how in the fuck is this my son? But, but the only time that he's not like, you know, running around or whatever is, uh, is when I'm putting him to bed. I, I almost all the time I, um, putting him to bed. I love it. Uh, and, and then he sits there and it, it used to be, I read him books. Now, now as I said, it was Tiger Woods for about a month. Now we're on to Alan Craig catching the final out of the 2011 world series. Um, because of the fireworks, not because of Jason Mott's pit, pitching strategy. And he sits there and he watches that. And then I put him to bed and he's calm, but I'm telling you, man, he didn't sleep the first few months. And, uh, it was a whole thing. And as I'm sure many parents can test your shit. I mean, sometimes you don't have kids sleeping through the night and it's, you know, two years old. I hear, so it's a case by case basis. But then I look at my brother, Kevin's son, and he's just like the most chill cat going, you know? So it's a case by case basis. So if you have a chill child, you know, you might have more flexibility to leave them with a babysitter or to leave them with, you know, one of your parents or your wife's parents or husband's parents, whatever the case might be. So that's another, another element of that. Uh, let's see this question. Timmy recaps has been having a big questions from the audience run with his questions and uh, his question this week kind of ties into what I was talking about with being in your 30s, being more aggressive professionally. But again, you know, there's disclaimers, but I, I have the disclaimers not for, for you know, for political reasons, but for, for honest reasons. Because, you know, if you have three kids and you're in your 30s, you probably can't be as aggressive as you 
could be if you didn't have any kids and you weren't married or if you just were married and didn't have any kids, whatever. So his question is, was there an exact moment when you knew you needed to move all in on Inside STL slash TMA? I would assume you had a contingency plan in the early years. If so, at what moment exactly did that change? Was it based on when you first saw a check clear, which you knew could support you long term? Was it when you saw how much entertainment this was providing? Was it when you realized you were now responsible for providing a paycheck to your employees? Or I suppose I can't rule out the pills, the possibility of you never truly moving all in. Thanks. Timmy recaps. Uh, very good question, especially along the lines of following up on Jared's question. I think, I think I moved all in in 2013, but I didn't realize I was moving in all in in 2013 when we started a new radio station. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the answer there is yeah, because had it not worked out, I might've not had a home, but I wasn't thinking that way, which is great. Um, it's, it's, I have to tell you, I think I could be wrong in this. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs, I don't want to say I know a lot of entrepreneurs. I know there's some people who like the idea of the entrepreneurial spirit. Listen to the show. I know that I imagine some are entrepreneurs. I think one of the traits of being a good entrepreneur is actually being delusional, um, or maybe a little out of touch with reality and delusions of grandeur to like, create something out of fucking nowhere and then, and out of nothing and then believe people want to spend money on it. I mean, that's, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a egocentric that I, this didn't exist. No one else who's ever walked this earth has thought of this and I'm going to do it and people are going to give me money for it. Um, but yeah, the 2013, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, that, that, that I guess would be it. Um, but again, in, in both cases, when TMA inside STL started paying people salaries, both in 2010 and then more salaries, when we had the radio station starting in 2013, uh, both of those were born out of necessity. 2013 more so, but 2010 was in part and to keep, to keep the show together. I had to inside STL had to, to do that. Um, in 2013, it was, uh, in, in, you know, I mean, we were either going to stay at KFNS and know it was going to, you know, with the man-woman thing, knew that that was not going to work. Um, and, you know, or, um, you know, start something else. And podcasting, just strictly podcasting, I mean, I suppose it was an option, but it wasn't podcasts. If you can take yourself back to 2013, while they existed, they certainly weren't as prevalent and um, marketable as they are in 2019. And I mean, now they're, they've flooded the market, market's saturated, but... Uh, in 2013, that was not an option. So, you know, um, but that, but that gets to what I said at the outset of this, this discussion, um, which is, I, I think all three of us, you know, a lot of probably a question that's been asked on questions from the audience over the last year or so, since we started doing this is your favorite moment of TMA. And honestly, I'm sure people are expecting like, Oh, you know, a foot fetish Friday or when, you know, which adult film star was in studio or whatever it was. Um, but honestly, I think, I think we, all three of us have been asked it. And I know the one that I used to go to was when we held a, um, um, like a pledge drive for lack of a better term. We raised money at sparing middle school for officer Blake Snyder's family when he was shot and killed. And, you know, I remember thinking, because I just in general, the three of us hate doing remotes, you know, it's one of the pluses of doing morning drives that you rarely have remotes. Uh, it's just, you know, I don't like, I've, I've talked with Frank opinion about this. I've talked with Rizzuto about this. 
you just know the show's not going to be as good when you're on remote. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it, it's also, you also know it's part of the deal because the station needs to make money. And if they can monetize it, they do it. Nobody's in the wrong here, but it's just, this show's just not as good. It's just the way it is. I fucking hate it. So what are you going to do? You do it. So we got to do a remote, not exactly excited about this, but at least this remote's for a, a good cause. And, um, and I remember thinking, my God, we're going to be doing a show from a middle school in South County and expect people to come by and, you know, donate money. I mean, this just isn't going to happen, but whatever, we'll do it. It's fine. It's not a huge deal. It's a one day thing. And then I don't remember what the total figure was, but I know that we raised thousands of dollars and people kept coming by, you know, driving off a 270 and maybe it's a Tesson ferry exit, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, Lee May ferry, I don't know. either way, a ferry. And, uh, and donating money. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I could not believe it. And so this week with what has happened with Larry Nickel, and for those of you not aware of it, Larry Nickel is a uh, regular on the Ryan Kelly morning after the radio show and has been on the show as our wrestling professional wrestling correspondent for about a decade. Uh, and he has been diagnosed with testicular cancer. And uh, the cancer has spread to his abdomen, to his chest, to his kidneys, really kind of unfortunately, most importantly, because that has led to him having to have some surgeries um, to attempt to get the cancer off the lymph nodes to clear urine from his kidneys to his bladder. Uh, as I attempt to speak in some form of accurate medical uh, conversation that you know, I, I went down to see Larry. He was at St. Louis University Hospital waiting to have that surgery, even though for the most part he had been in Alton, the hospital there. And his mom was in the room, and I said to both of them, I said, I know everybody who is aware of the situation. Um, and I guess Larry posted about it on Facebook on Friday. I became aware of it last Sunday or Monday, but, you know, didn't, you know, wasn't for public consumption. Um, but everybody, when they find out about it says, you know, how can I help anything? What people say, because they don't know what to say. And I get it. It's, it's, it's good. It's good human behavior, but it also oftentimes is a tough spot for the person who is suffering through the tragedy. Anything I can do to help, I'll do it. What can I do to help? And, you know, and it's an awkward spot. Like, I mean, you know, what, what do you say? So in this case, and I said this to Larry's mom and, and she goes, well, I appreciate that. A lot of people said, I said, no, I said, I'm not, this isn't like a, a thing to say. This is, I'm saying, what do you need? We're going to take care of it. Tell me what you need. And even if I can't personally get it done, I probably can talk to somebody who can. So tell me what you need. And she said, well, I was forced into retirement at the end of December, 2018. And, you know, while part of this or, you know, a good portion will be covered by Medicaid. You know, we're going to have a lot of expenses. This is the second time Larry's been in the hospital in the last two weeks. And she said, you know, I know that there's like a website where you can raise money. I said, yeah, go fund me. And she goes, do you think we could do that? I said, absolutely. I said, I, I've already had a couple people have asked about it. Um, I said, but I didn't want to do it without talking with you. So she goes, well, what number do you think we get? I said, what number do you want? It's your call. She said, do you think $10,000 is too high? And I said, 10,000 is the exact, and it was, 10,000 was the exact number I was thinking. 
And I said to her, I said, I hope, well, I didn't say I hope. I said, I think we can certainly raise a few thousand dollars within a few hours. Because that's what I was thinking. But I also was thinking, God, I hope that this doesn't get into a spot where she, you know, and Larry see that only, quote unquote, only like 1500 or $2,000 have been raised. Because he's already got to have this surgery, major surgery. He's already been diagnosed with cancer. And the mental element of it, the psychological element of it, is so important. And how would that make him feel? If, like, we set the goal at 10000 and look at it, and, yeah, $2,500 would be great. But, my God, you know, you're still 75% short of the goal. And that can just can hurt feelings. So, my God, I hope we can do $10,000. I mean, that's what I was thinking, you know. Then I thought, it, you know, I told, so I told her, I said, I think we'll raise a few thousand dollars, you know, this afternoon. I really do. And I was like, God, I hope I can back that up. And we put that up there at like two o'clock on Monday. And by three fifteen, we had $10,000. And that was the biggest eye opener that I think Doug, the cat and I have ever had on the show, but even more so considering now it is uh, not even 48 hours. We have raised, I will hit refresh and we will look at the tote board. We have raised $41,041. For Larry, the goal was initially ten thousand, and now it's forty one thousand, forty one dollars. And this isn't like somebody came along and said, "Here's thirty thousand. This is one thousand one hundred donors." And um, and you know, I'm looking at the donations right now, and and I would say the average donation is like twenty five bucks. Might that might be high? It might be twenty. So it's it just shows, you know, it shows the kindness of the audience at the absolute forefront. Um, but it also shows the love the audience has for the show and the people on it, um, and how they stepped up. I mean, in 48 hours, $41,000, not even 48 hours. That's amazing. It's amazing. And you, and you want to be careful because I've had some people in radio text me and say, I mean, don't you just want to take this and like shove it up the ass of all these people in St. Louis who go, well, yeah, you know, this and that about the show. But I mean, that's not, that's not that we, I didn't, you know what, I'm going to do a GoFundMe for Larry and then show everybody. That wasn't what it was about. It was like, I love this guy. Like he's such a, just like, he's like, he's like the, the purest heart. He's just a good guy. Uh, and he's in a really bad situation health wise potentially financially. I don't know anything about the financials, but his mom tells me that I got to do something about it. And, and that's, that's all it was, you know, and the cat has been very kind and saying, I mean, I appreciate you doing all this. I mean, I set up a GoFundMe and you know, you know, you know, you could be as computer illiterate as the day is long and you could set up a GoFundMe. So I didn't do anything special here. Uh, and, and, the, and it was the people who did it. It was the people who did it as has really kind of been the story of the show. Um, but I never, I was talking to uh, somebody in finance the other day, yeah, nothing to do with this, but uh, we were bullshitting. And he goes, how about the Larry Nickel thing? I said, I'm telling you, if you would have given me a hundred to one on my money, so I can put up, you know, whatever, some, you know, little minimal, it's like I bet, 10 bucks on Adam Long this week at uh, Quail Hollow just because I like him and he's wearing if we can just get how we can win this baby t-shirt even though he's like plus 35,000 uh, you know I 
if you would have given me those kinds of odds on us hitting $40,000, I wouldn't have taken it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, I mean, I just wouldn't have taken it. The 10,000 I felt like was going to be a push. 20,000. I wouldn't even thought was possible. $41,000. We just don't think of ourselves in that, in that respect. We truly don't, which might sound odd because I obviously have a healthy ego and the show's been on for 15 years, but we really just don't think that. And none of us thought that. None of us. Thought. What I was thinking internally was, God, I hope we get to 10,000 or at least close to 10,000 because I don't want to hurt Larry's feelings and I don't want to hurt his mom's feelings. That's what I was thinking. And so when this happened, you know, I mean, I just love it. It, 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 it there have been times where it's kind of made me emotional because I'm just so thrilled that something is just simple as our show has helped someone who is so good in a brutal time in a time where I'm sure he is absolutely scared to death. And I know his mom is being strong around him, but I, you know, walked out of the hospital with her on Monday and I can't imagine what she's going through. And you think about your son's health, you know, primarily, of course, that's, that's all you think about. But then there's also the like, Oh my God, how am I going to pay for this? And then you see what, uh, what this audience, you know, and I texted, you know, I was texting with her during the radio show today and I didn't say anything about it on the air, but this will be some podcast bonus content for you. Um, uh, I said, uh, you know, we're going on some of the stuff that he's got going on right now. So there's no need to talk about that. But I said, we're over $40,000 now for more than 1000 donors. You should be very proud of how great of a person your son is. She said, I am very proud. I tried to bring him up to be a kind and thoughtful person. And that's exactly what he is. He's like such a good person. And yeah, I know he's got weird shit going on with the tweets and the Facebook posts. Uh, I mean, you know, but it's not like coming from like a, you know, predatory place. Guys just, you know, whatever. The, the, he's, he's, just a, he's just a nice guy. He's such a nice guy, a good heart, and has been dealt a brutal hand. And so, um, to see the audience respond has just been, you know, it's, it's, it's truly overwhelming. So it is my new, it's tough to call it a favorite moment because the, the circumstances that have led to the moment, similar to the officer Snyder thing are you know, are tragic. Um, but in the face of adversity, this audience once again has responded in a way that we never could have predicted. I mean, this isn't, this isn't a, well, let's, you know, let's, let's be humble about it thing. It was truly, we just could have never foreseen it. I mean, that's just, there's no other way around it. We could have never foreseen it, could have never foreseen it. And I'm so grateful. And so when that happens, leading to, you you know, finishing off the answer to your question to me recaps, it opens your eyes up to going, yeah, man. I mean, you know, maybe we should be even more all in on TMA. Because this was, this was as tangible a data as the show has ever had on its following. You know, I mean, it, it was, like I said, obviously all unintentional, but then you see this. And again, it's not like it's a bunch of hundred dollar donations. Don't get me wrong. There's some hundred dollar donations and there are some $400 donations in there. Ryan Kelly donated 500. 
Uh, and that's not to say other people didn't. Lisa Ann, God bless her. I know we're all going to hell if we watch porn. But Lisa Ann, $100 donation and tweeted out to her 1.1 million followers. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, it was, you know, it's something else. And the thing outside of helping him financially and helping his mom financially is that in a time where he's staring down the barrel of having to start chemotherapy, and I'm sure some of you have been there, um, and what that's got to be like mentally, what that's got to be like as you try to get sleep, you know, I just, I remember the, the week that I thought I had cancer, I, the thing that I can take myself back to, and again, I can only relate to the first paragraph of the first chapter of the book, but when I thought I had lymphoma in 2012, and I remember I, like I think I wrote about it when I wrote the, the story about that is for like a split second Letterman was on and I laughed at one of the jokes in his monologue and then like, like, like a, like gravity. It's like, Oh yeah, I have cancer. Like it just, it, it's, 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 in, it's just always there. And so if we can, it, because our audience can take at least part of the pain of the financial element of this away, to be able to do that just because we do a stupid shit radio show um, is, is, is truly, the, I, I feel like I need to come up with better, better adjectives, but it's overwhelming. That really is, that's really how I feel. And I know it's how Doug and the Cat feel and, and Pete and Iggy and the Plowhawk. We just never, never, ever, ever saw it uh, coming. I mean, just could have never seen it coming. It's, it's mind blowing and it truly is, um, it's an honor to have an audience listen to your show that is that kind. That is, that's, that's, that's my summary on that. Uh, all right, let's dig further in. Uh, hey, Tim, I was wondering what your picks to click would be for drops from the show. Gangster Pete, I'm going to call on you on this one because I have a feeling you're going to be able to remember some better than I do. I'm partial to, again, I'm enjoying the show, Lou Brock, two pound carrot cake, Mike Claiborne, and facilitating that connectedness, Quinn Snyder. I also love the Trump, Missouri, good football teams. And how's Joe Paterno? We're going to bring that back. How about that hole? How about that hole? How about that hole deal? Uh, that comes from uh, Adam, not caller Adam. Gangster Pete, I yield the floor to you. I enjoy the Trump one. I like whenever Plowsy starts playing noises when during calls. That's a nice play. I'm a big fan of that. That's probably my favorite part. I'm a big I, fan uh, of that. I actually I like a lot the- of Stingray. I like a lot of yeah, Stingray. Yeah, Stingray's good. I mean, I actually enjoy the content of the show more than the drops. Wow, look at you. So I'm probably in the minority there. I took a shot, too, on the way out, I noticed. Um, yeah, Stingray's big. I, I mean, I feel like there's some classics that probably are saved. But, I mean, the Plowhawk, God, what were we talking about today on TMA? And the Plowhawk said, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, my God, that was a part of the show. But, I mean, you know, dude, you know, she, he, was, he was 15 when we started the show. <laughs> so, you know, um, I feel like I want to give you a better answer, uh, Adam. Uh you know, Stingray, uh, thank you, thank you, Nina Hartley, appreciate it, appreciate it, like that one. Um, I like the one, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what it is, oh, I don't even know where the fuck that's from. I like that one. I like the, uh, I guess it's Maddie Mock from the uh, Twitter video. I like that one. I'm a big fan of that one. I mean, these are recents, though. I know there are some that, hell, maybe people can email in drops, and then I'll have the Plowhawk poll them, and they can become they can get back in the rotation. Uh, let's see. I feel like this is becoming a tradition now. This is like the uh, Washington State flag at college game day. 
Uh, have you ever considered or would you consider moving the show to a web-based platform instead of terrestrial radio? This is a regular question. I, I, I'm not mocking it. It's a, it's a fair question. Um, I will give uh, the answer. The answer is certainly I've considered it. I'm under contract through the end of 2021. And, uh, you know, the final answer also is of the X dollars that TMA generates, the analytic that you have to attempt to quantify is how much of X would carry over to that platform. I'm of the opinion that it's X divided by uh, three. That's what I think it is. And that might be optimistic. And I'm sure plenty of you are going, what? No, it all come over. And I'm going, no, it wouldn't. Trust me on that. Uh, now, you, those of you saying it all would come over, probably, you're probably huge fans of the show. And that's wonderful. Obviously, we love it. But a lot of the people who buy advertising don't know what the fuck's going on in the show. They just know it delivers clients for them. And that's what they care about. And then if we're like, yeah, we got a really popular show. And like, oh, it's station. Oh, it's a podcast. Trust me, as somebody who, when I started the podcast in 2017, and I would sit down with a lot of the decision makers in St. Louis, and I don't want to say a lot of the decision makers in St. Louis, that, that's, that's overstating it, but people who control the purse strings. That's a phrase my dad likes to use. I, half the lunch would be me explaining what a podcast is. It's an old, again, that was two years ago, and a lot has changed, or a year and a half ago. Uh, but still, it's a realistic, it's a, it's a realistic thing. The parallel I draw is when I started inside STL.com in 2005 and I would meet with people about advertising like, oh, we're in the Post-Dispatch or we're in the Riverfront Times or we're in St. Louis Magazine, you know, and now, as you can imagine, nobody would be saying that things change. So I do think things will wind up there. I do for probably everybody. It's not like I think radio will go away. I just think that's where it's going, but we are living off of this. This is how we, you know. Uh, you know, sustain a business. And so, you know, if, if the model does not work, then you can't do it. So that, that's the real answer. And it's a, it's a good question. It's just, it's, it's, it's people are asking it every week, which is totally fine. It's just, I, I also, uh, I want to attempt to answer new things. Uh, Tim, uh, here's what I also have been asked. Uh, do you see yourself making a return to poker? Do you still make regular trips to Las Vegas, regardless of your inactivity as a semi-pro poker player? Never semi-pro. Favorite casino, resort, hotel. I'm happy to answer that because I'm thinking about making a trip out there. It seems like we've gone out there around Memorial Day weekend for like ever. Obviously, didn't do it in 2017. Oh, you know what? We did do it in 2017. Oh, we did. I remember pictures of Anna Marie. Um, pregnant at the pool. Two months away from uh, Jameson being born. Two and a half months away. Um, I guess, yeah, I think we went last year for my birthday. But I mean, it's just a, what it, we used to do which is, it's one of those things that even it's, we're not even three years removed from it to go out there and stay out there for like two weeks at a time. is just fucking nuts. Like, and I did it and it's only, you know, two and a half years ago and I did it. And, but I also have to say it was the greatest. See, that's the thing you, you can still like go gangster Pete was saying about his friends. You can still, you know, be a parent and still have fun or appreciate the shit that you were able to do and want to do it again. I'd love to be able to go out to Las Vegas and stay. We always stay at the plot. So, because I loved the Venetian poker room. Now I might not do that just because I don't, to answer your first question, the, the poker thing. Somebody asked me that the other day, do I miss it? And I just don't. Like, they're, especially with this shitty weather we've had in St. Louis with the constant rain back in the day, just be like, oh, well, I guess I'll just get in a tournament, you know? And I just, I have zero interest in it. I think part of it is now I don't think I'm a winning player anymore. The game continues to evolve. And, you know, my style of play that was profitable from 2008 through 2011 is not 
profitable now. God only knows what I'm really up against. Am I up against a person or am I up against some kind of software program, a bot, and I just don't want to do it. And then on top of it, you know, when I used to do it and, it, you know, there were some big scores, no question. Um, and I'm very lucky, but I mean, there was, you know, reading and research that went into to doing it in a system, even though there's incredibly high variance in tournaments. And that's what I played. I was more of a tournament guy than cash, uh, which is super fishy. But, uh, and by fishy, I mean fish player, not fishy as in suspect, uh, that it takes, you know, 12 hours at a time at least. And I just, I don't, it's not that I don't have the time. So I said, Anna Marie, I'm like running deep in a tournament. You know, could you take care of Jameson? I mean, shit, I know she would, uh, but I just don't want to. So even if we went to Las Vegas and if we went to Las Vegas now, it'd be like for three days, I would, uh, I wouldn't want to waste one of those days sit in a fucking poker room. It's just not where I am anymore. I'd want to play golf probably in the morning and then hang out with Anna Marie at the pool and then have uh, one of our favorite meals, whatever that might be at night and maybe get fucked up and then do it again the next day. And that would be, that would be the game. Whereas before at 1130, I would either get in my cab to go over to the Rio or the world series of poker is, or whatever casino I was playing in, just going downstairs and say, see a sister. And she would hang out at the pool all day. And whenever I would bust out of a tournament is when she would see me. And that was, that's what we did. And I look back on that and I'm like, that is just so, fucking weird and I don't know I enjoyed it so I can't call it a waste of time I really did enjoy it but I don't think I ever had like a huge 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 live poker score like a huge live, like again huge is of course in the eye of the beholder I think the best I did was finished third in a tournament at the Venetian but never like you know whatever I don't think I ever had like a five figure score. I mean, I could play in the one, two game. Any asshole can play in the one, two game there. I mean, mostly it's tourists, but it's one, two, you know, it's basically limit poker where he's calling. doesn't really matter. Uh, and can be profitable there, but at the same time, because it's like limit poker and you know, like, Oh, he called the $30 raise. Oh, he called the $60 raise. I'm priced in. I'll call here with my Jack nine offsuit. What the fuck? Oh, eight, 10 Queens. Sweet. You know, uh, I don't know. I just don't think I would, I don't know what happened. I just don't, if the game were still on poker stars like it was or full tilt, I imagine I would still be playing and profitable because I wouldn't have stopped playing. But as it is now, it just, it just does not do it for me. And also, I mean, obviously having a child that's, but, but even with a child, I mean, um, if it were something I was making money on, that's kind of part of the, the job then at that point. I like this one. Uh, now for those of you who don't watch game of Thrones, you, uh, you might, you might want to just skip forward through it. Um, who ends up on the Iron Throne? Uh, Gangster Pete, you are a loyal viewer, are you not? Uh, I am. Well, let me uh, let me throw it to you first. Anna Marie and I were having this conversation last night. Well, I'm in a pool and I picked Daenerys before the season started, so so you 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 are. I'm you're sticking with that, but I don't feel confident in that pick. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, God. Part of, I think if you would have asked me this 24 hours ago, I would have said Arya. But then I watched, well, I don't want to say why. I just want to say I'm off Arya. Oh, I'm reducing, if I were going to allocate percentages of my bankroll, 
you know, like I do with DraftKings rosters. Let's reduce our Dustin Johnson exposure to 25% from 35%. That's what I would say here with Ari. It's not to say I don't think it'll happen. I just, something was said that made me think, ah, but then at the same time, it might not necessarily mean what I thought it meant and it still could be in play. Um, I, here's what I will say. I mean, I'll make a pick just because it's what I'm asked to do. So I'll do it. But I will say this whenever, well, it'll be the last episode, whoever it is, assuming that this actually, first off, do you think that will happen? Like somebody will be sitting on the iron throne. I think someone will. Yeah, I think so too. Whoever it is, I believe once it happens, we'll all go, oh, well, of course. Not because we're going to go, oh, we always knew it. But yeah, now that you see that happen, that makes sense. And so in that capacity with Aria, and here I'm not doing anything that I'm saying anything other than things in episodes. I mean, her whole life has been about avenging her father's death. But has that not been Daenerys's whole existence? Right. You know? Um, I almost think in some capacity people might be upset if it winds up being Daenerys or Jon Snow. Yeah. Weirdly, you know, um, and then, you know, and then and it's, it's funny that, uh, now the Plowhawk, if you listen to TMA has obviously just fucking lost his mind over <laughs> what happened in the, uh, in the, uh, the most recent episode, uh, season eight, episode three, what was it called? The long night? Uh, yeah, called? I believe so. Um, but it, I mean, it got, it got over with and Anna Marie and I are watching it down in the basement, just the two of us. Lights are off. It ends. No music. Credits are rolling. Just sitting there. And she goes, that was some of the best television I have ever seen. And I go, oh, God. I said, I didn't really like it. And now it's still like a thing here three days later that we're... And I want to make it clear when I say... I'm so plot slash screenplay oriented. That's where I'm coming from. If you love, you know, the production quality, I don't know if there ever has been better television than that. Um, I really don't. That's not to say that there hasn't been, but I don't know if I've seen it. Um, I just feel like Game of Thrones, part of the reason for its incredible popularity. Is this the most popular TV show of our lives? It set the ratings record for that last. Yeah, I saw episode. that was one of the links you sent over. I, I, you know, it's it's different now. Like the thing that's always the barometer, which God, how many people that are listening to this even know about this, is the final episode of Mash, right? Uh, and Super Bowls. That's always what like the barometer is. But you know, then you had you know three television channels, you know, and whatever that was, eighty one or eighty two, eighty three, whatever. Big deal with Cheers and Seinfeld. Cheers, like yeah, but even Cheers, you know, you had cable at that point. Seinfeld was ninety eight. Yeah. So. With all that said, um, you know, I, I, I thought going into the, Hannah Marine actually said, I said, people are going to hate on this. We will not be disappointed. We won't go Twitter contrarian because that's just the thing. Like it's the way to get yourself attention is to be everybody like this, but I think this and I, well, what's your reason? I don't have to say, I just didn't like it. But my reasoning and I was, I, the analogy I make is, is a WWE match where somebody comes out of nowhere and then somebody else wins. Um, but to go uh, to go into actually what I the, the term because I remember getting criticized by an English teacher at St. Louis U High when I guess I did it and writing some kind of short story, and he said, "Oh, Deus ex machina," and I uh, I take Latin and I don't even know what the fuck you're saying. God from a machine, God out of a machine, uh, which means out of nowhere, a hero arrives and saves the day, you know, 
or it can be a lazy ending like, and then I woke up. And I felt like for eight seasons, we had heard about the Night King, winter is coming, and everything had been built around that. And then, you know, now you have the final storyline, which is who will sit on the, the Iron Throne and the Daenerys and Jon Snow and, you know, everyone versus Cersei. Um, it's been built around defeating the dead, defeating the Night King. And I, 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 I want to put this disclaimer on. Perhaps in the final three episodes it will be explained. Perhaps it will be explained. Um, perhaps it will be shown that uh, Arya did become a white, uh, and that is how she was able to be right there at that moment and come leaping in seemingly out of nowhere. Um, and I, when, when, when it ended, I was like, you know, there's so much similar, so much nuance in the thing that I think makes it so popular, which is why I brought that up in comparison to like a mash or cheers or Seinfeld as you cited gangster Pete is because you get done with it. And it's like, Oh, now I want to go read what some of these things meant. And I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't even realize that. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like a study. It's like when I used to watch movies in English class at St. Louis, U high. And, and you like the graduate is one I always lean back on. And maybe I hold that in a higher esteem than it deserves because my teachers then probably were raised in the, in, you know, in 1969 when that thing came out, I think it was 69 anyway. And it was this big counterculture movie and it's like their favorite things. So they spoke about that movie with this passion. And so then therefore I have this passion, but I always say the graduate, the Godfather, Goodwill hunting. Those are three of my favorites. And those movies are so strong, not only as films, but also with their plots and symbolism. And I love that. Uh, and maybe, you know, certainly the graduate would be on the higher end of symbolism than say, you know, Goodwill hunting. But with all that said, there are just some life lessons and or underlying currents of plot that, that go on throughout, and I love them. And that's what I feel like Game of Thrones said, going on, like, I'll get done with an episode, and then I'll read it. I'm like, motherfucker, I didn't realize that. Do you listen to any podcasts on it? You know, the Sea Monster told me about this one, and he, you know, he would love to, because I hated it. I listened to it. What the fuck is it? You might know it. What if you, uh, it's Bald Move. Yeah. So I kept getting hit for five bucks a month because I didn't cancel it, and I and, and it's, it's and I and I actually watched it on Sunday night, um, and I, I'm like, oh, here are the people whose voices I hated and I couldn't listen to their podcast, but everyone, well, I don't say everyone, the podcasts, that one, um, Clay Travis's, not to say that I hold him, you know, in like the ultimate authority or anything like that on anything. I, I respect his business acumen for certain. Um, but, uh, you know, he does his thing and I watched his. And so when, when the episode ended, I'm like, fuck, this sucks. I'm going to have to go on the radio tomorrow and say, I didn't like it. And my guess is everybody's going to say they loved it. And so I'm going to be the guy that I didn't want to be, which is everybody loved it. And I'm going to say, I didn't like it. But then I saw Clay say, and then I saw the people on the bald move podcast say the night King's demise was disappointing. And I'm like, oh, shit. I didn't expect it, but I'm with at least that majority. So you can dislike the end of the Night King and the way that Arya vanquished him and still have an appreciation for the quality of the television and the production and all that went into that episode. 
And if you watch the 40-minute thing that you have on HBO now, you can never tell the difference between the two. Either way, uh, watched that last night, and then you see like how long it took him to shoot that. And they shoot it in Belfast. That's where the Winterfell Castle is. You know, I mean, I have an appreciation for that, but that's the thing. For as great as all that was, like, you had a deus ex machina. Ah! And I hate, I can't, I, have a, I can't get over that. Because I think they're better than that. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's like, what if you have this WrestleMania match, and it's been hyped up, obviously, for months, and then it happens, and then, like, from under the apron, Stone Cold Steve Austin appears and gives somebody a stunner, and nobody even been thinking about Stone Cold Steve Austin outside of his podcast or something, and then he shows up and wins the match for the guy, and you're just kind of like, oh. And that's kind of what I felt like. But if they would have shown, I'm, I'm not, now, somebody might email and say, well, that can't happen because this is what the deal is with the whites, you know, or whatever. But if Arya, like they would have shown her, and maybe that's what was going on, and they're going to explain it. In the library, she actually became a white after she killed that one, and so that's why she was able to be there. Maybe that's what was going on. Now, I don't know why they wouldn't show that. They certainly had, a, you know, a minute and a half of battle could have been cut out. That's another thing. I'm just not really big into that, whether it be army movies or, you know, sci-fi movies, battle scenes. It's never done. I realize some people love them, and there's a whole billion-dollar, billion, billion, billion-dollar industry for that. But it's just like she's popped up out of nowhere right as Jon Snow's about to be vanquished, right as Bran's about to be vanquished. Jon Snow's about to take on a dragon one-on-one. Right. So are you that. with me on this? Because you're not oh, on yeah. the air for it. So you agree with that, the, the deus ex machina? I mean, I yeah. Yeah, and I'm more of a plot guy, too. Like, I can't get into all the superhero movies and no. all the action. Like, that just doesn't do it for me. I, I prefer intelligent conversation that moves the plot along. And so that's why that... I don't know. And it's, I don't know. I, 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 my hope is that somehow it's explained, but then at the same time, and people are like, who fucking cares? It's a show about Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, I, I understand. And of course, <laughs> like you could say the same thing about the Cardinals. Like, who fucking cares? It's guys hitting a ball. And who fucking cares about the Blues? It's guys skating around, hitting a puck. Yes, I understand. But for the purpose of discussion, obviously millions of people were invested in it. And I'm sure most people, I think anyway, enjoyed it. But if you appreciate, and the reason why I've become invested in it is like, my God damn, how are they juggling these dozens of characters and making it all come together? And then out of nowhere, this, this thing that was unkillable, not even with fucking fire, maybe because he's a Targaryen, I understand, but is, is just like, you know, he leaves that blind spot that, you know, Arya can come leaping in out of nowhere and nobody else sees her. And she, I just, I don't know. So I don't know if she'll kill Cersei that way. I don't know if it'll be proven that it was somebody else. I don't know. But that part is Clay, Tra- Clay Travis kept using the word unfulfilling. That's the word that I would use. And so unfortunately that, that messed up that episode for me, you know, it didn't ruin it or anything like that. It just messed it up. So your question was, who do I think will sit on the Iron Throne? I, I want to give a good answer on this one. I can't imagine it's Cersei. I can't imagine it's Jamie. Tyrion is who I'd like to see. I, I was about to say, I, I, I would allocate some exposure on Tyrion. He'll be my Keith Mitchell this week. Very obscure DraftKings golf reference. Um, I certainly think Arya's in play. Maybe less than I thought, but certainly in play. I just don't know if they would end it with Daenerys or Jon Snow. 
But then if it's not any of the people I've listed, then who, who would it be? You know what I mean? Am I missing somebody there? I, you know, I mean, Tyrion, Sansa, Sansa. Yeah. Sansa. Yeah. That'd be one. That'd be one. I I feel like over the final three episodes, there's going to be some, a potential, I don't know if we can have a heel turn this late in the show, but something going on with, I just feel like Daenerys is, is on the verge of a, a slight heel turn. That's what I think, but I don't even know if that, that's possible. Maybe I mean, she'll I, be gone. I feel like they are kind of setting it up to look like that, yeah. but that could be just trying to get you to look that way also. And then, and this isn't, uh, this isn't um, like, I would never, ever go into spoiler mode ever, 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 ever. I'm happy to, if, if something's aired though, we're going to talk about it. And I'll always say, Hey, we're going to talk about this. You haven't seen it. You got a DVR. Here we're going to go, but this isn't spoiler because this is, this is public knowledge. The gentleman who directed episode three, we're calling it the last night or the longest night or whatever the fuck it is. Episode three, the one that just aired, also directed and only directed episode five. Now, what that tells me is it's going to be another battle. That's what it tells me. So I think we might have another table setter coming this Sunday. So that could be when you see like damn near everybody go. You know, which I would imagine is going to happen. But who knows? Maybe it won't be. But, um, all right, I got to put my action in, finally. Enough delaying. (laughs) God. I mean, when I saw this last night, I thought, oh, that means she's not going to be. But I could have a misinterpretation. I'm going to go with Arya. I'm going to go with Arya. I'm going to go with Arya. Go with Arya. I, in part just because I can't imagine that it'd be Jon Snow or Daenerys. I don't know if I want to say that. I don't know if people would be disappointed with it. I don't know. Or, do you get a sense? I don't I don't even know. Do you get a sense that people are disappointed with Sundays? With Sundays? Uh, this past Sunday? The, the 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 And I don't even know. I mean, I hear more complaints about the, the like, the darkness and, like, the I've chaos got, I've than got I a, about the plot. Yeah, the plot's I've got the a, part about, not the plot, but the way that Arya appeared out of nowhere. I got a whole group chat with Game of Thrones fans. It's just that's the only thing we talk about in it. And the biggest complaint was the darkness of the episode. Yeah. But uh, my main thing is they've gotten me this far. I've trusted them for this long. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy oh, yeah. each oh, episode and then withhold my judgment for the end. I agree with that. Maybe something that seems simple or not explained well will be later. Yeah, so that's what I'm hoping for. I'm just sitting back. We got like hour and a half episodes coming up. I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you on that one, brother. Uh, would you trade 50 years of the Cardinals winning no World Series for the Blues winning the Cup this year? No. It's just a no. It's an instant no. I mean, first off, I'm probably gone in 50 years, so that means I wouldn't see another Cardinal World Series. Uh, and uh, it's just not how I... Yeah, I really do feel that way. And I've never, ever felt that way. I haven't either. Same feeling. It's the weirdest fucking thing. And I got to say this, and I almost, I, I almost like, I feel like the podcast is like a secret club, so I feel more comfortable saying it, even though I know I said it on the radio. I didn't go <laughs> too far into it. I watched those two series in the East, and as we're broadcasting this, you know, it looks like it's going to be CBJ and Carolina. Granted, Columbus only has a 2-1 lead, but Carolina is up 2-0 in the Islanders. Now, like, the Islanders like the storied franchise, unless you're a big fan of the early 80s. And I just feel like, God, I want the Blues to beat the Bruins 
I want it to be the Blues and the Bruins because if it's the Blues and CBJ or the Blues and Carolina, it'll just be looked at like, oh, wow. Like the shittiest matchup. This The country will look at it. And I know some of you go, who fucking cares? Leafs will be there. And I get it. And I understand that. But, you know, and listen, if it winds up being an incredible series in the whole scheme of things, I mean, when it gets down to it, it's not like the Stanley Cup, you know, final, you know, do like, you know, NFL numbers, of course. And that's not a shout out hockey, hockey guy. But I'm, these are just, this is data. But if you do have the Blues and Bruins, here's what I want, all right? Beating Dallas is, even though Jerry Jones probably doesn't even know that the Stars exist, you're getting Jerry Jones. I want the Avalanche, Crocky's team. I want the Avalanche in the Western Conference Finals, Crocky's team. And then I want Boston, 2013 World Series, 2004 World Series, 2001-2 Super Bowl, um, and then Bobby Orr and the famous shot from the Stanley Cup Finals against the Blues. And I am certain that the Celtics beat the Hawks if we want to go back that far because the Celtics won everything. I think the Hawks did get them one or two years, though. Uh, the Hawks are a team in the NBA that used to be in St. Louis. Because I know I actually have to explain that to, like, two people. But I, that, that's, So that's, that's what I want. And God... And here's the other thing. San Jose, as we speak, is up 2-1 on Colorado. And, 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 and I mean, I guess this kind of proves it. I have, I have, I had no dog in the Las Vegas-San Jose series whatsoever. Uh, I did have a dog in the Saints-Rams game. And in both. Now, I think the Rams' lack of pass interference calls more egregious than the, you know, what was that? Was that a double minor? Is that what it was? What, what the hell happened? There was a five-minute major? What the fuck happened? I don't know. Double what, minor? Cut? Yeah. I don't know. Was it a cut? Wait, what are we no, talking about? I'm talking about the penalty in the Vegas-San Jose game when oh. Vegas is up 3 nothing. I missed that. I, I know it's a big controversy. Yeah. I mean, Las Vegas should be playing in Colorado right now. And they got fucked. And now it's like, oh, it's going to be the Blues and the Sharks again. And the Sharks had the 2000 President's Trophy win over the Blues. Roman Turk, Owen Nolan. And yet 2016, and here we go again. And this team that should not be there is there. And, you know. And I know a lot of the guys at the station are going to have to travel out to San Jose, and that's a whole thing. You know, I mean, you're flying into probably anyway, flying into San Francisco. I've flown into San Jose before, but it's obviously not as accessible. So you're flying to San Francisco or Oakland, driving, man, it might be much better to play Las Vegas. I, but like I said, I wanted to be Colorado. And, uh, and the Blues would have uh, home ice on Colorado. So, I don't know. I mean, yes, and I'm sure some of you are like, don't talk about this. They got to still beat Dallas. And I understand that. And this time tomorrow, which would be Thursday after game four, it might be 2-2 and it, the Blues get their asses beat tonight 5 nothing, and be like, oh my God, they have no chance to win this series. I recognize the emotional roller coaster of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But with that said, just for just because this is our little, our little club here, I'm just telling you, this is how I think. I do think this way. It's it's like 2013. I saw Freeze out after the, uh, the Cardinals beat the Dodgers. And... Uh, and I said, and the, and the Tigers and Red Sox were playing. And I said, who would you rather play? And he goes, oh, I don't know, man. I'd kind of like to go to Fenway. And he wasn't like going, well, you know, Tigers have this, and they were a pretty strong core of the lineup, and then the bullpen does this. It was like, I just want to go to Fenway. It's got more story to it. That's what I'm talking about. Does it matter? No. Would we all be weeping, even if it's the fucking Columbus Blue Jackets or the other team on the other side of the ice if the Blues win? Of course, it doesn't change that. But you want the, you know, all of North America to care, even though the reality is 98% data-wise won't. 
or won't watch. But, you know, a blue CBJ or blues Carolina, just, you know, respectfully, just doesn't have the same juice as a blues Bruins series, even though it's not like the guy in L.A. is going to be like, you know what? We can go hang out down at the beach today, but the Blues are playing the Bruins, so let's stay in. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't change it, but in my mind, this is where I am. So, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll accept the emails, teamrecurrent at InsideSTL.com, telling me to go fuck myself, and if the Blues lose the next three, that I will be blamed. I'm fine with it. I have to be honest here. Uh, let's see what else is doing. Let's see what else is doing. Um, hey, Tim. You have a voice that's tolerant and understanding toward a woman's voice. Thank you so much. Uh, that said, women are not trained to negotiate like men, albeit the way girls versus boys are raised, the way men are trained to win and women are trained to be caring slash understanding. As a woman entering the workforce, what advice would you give to put women slash men ahead of the flock, as it were? What's your best negotiation advice? What should we anticipate in these scenarios? Men may not uh, know this, but I... Uh, Men may know this, but I will sincerely tell you women do not. Uh, let's see. You have a voice, so I am curious. Even as it's not as progressive as I imagine, I think any advice on this topic in your experience would be helpful to a lot of people. All the best. Uh, and this person wanted the name withheld. But I really do appreciate uh, that. That's I consider that a, a hell of a compliment. Um, it's, it's, I, here's what I can, here's what I can say from, again, speaking from experience. Um, I've said this a number of times I've said on the air, so I'm not saying anything like, again, kind of like going into my secret, uh, goal of seeing the avalanche and Bruins. Um, but I feel very strongly about this. When I was operating radio stations, I thought it was important to try to hire people, um, of, uh, try to hire women on air and try to hire um, minorities, uh, not because of any politics, which I know immediately has some people go, well, fuck you, you hire the best person. And I agree, you do hire the best person. But um, I want to hire somebody who is qualified, but who would have different life experiences. And the reality is, being a female sports fan, if we're talking about on air, or being an African-American in St. Louis, is a different life experience than I had growing up in South City as a Catholic, straight, white male. And I think the more uh, that is brought to the table as far as life experiences optimizes the caliber of the conversation as opposed to those who aren't necessarily in a bubble through no fault of their own. Uh, pick your bubble, by the way. And oftentimes, I mean, it's, it's such an odd thing. Like, it's kind of in vogue to, like, shit on old white men, right? I just, what an odd fucking thing. I mean, and this is coming from somebody who's Johnny social liberal, but I guess maybe it has people used to say, oh, the left's gone too far left. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I actually am now becoming that guy. Cause I'm going, what in the fuck? And this is just like, cool. Like, what if I sat here and go, boy, these young black guys, I'd be done. You'd never hear from me again. It's just, it's just, it's both are fucking wrong or both are right. Either way, it's gotta be one or the other. I know it. I know that's fucking blasphemy right now, but what the fuck? It's just like, it's just like accepted. It's watching ball of all fucking things. Ballers, by the way, with the rock. And I love ballers. But like the whole final few episodes, there's a marathon on of like whatever recent season, you know, it's just like the NFL and the old white male owners and the NCAA and the old white male. I'm just like, what is this shit? Why, why is this suddenly cool? 
It doesn't fucking matter. And as a 42 year white guy, I don't give a fuck what it has to do with me. I don't, it doesn't, if I am in the, in now in the officially in the old, it doesn't matter. I'm against it across the board. But anyway, I digress as I give my actual liberal take and then also intertwine it with, I guess, what would be conservative take. It's not, it's neither one. This is just what I think. And if it fits your particular political prowess, God bless America. I'm probably pissing off everybody right now, but this is what I really think. Um, I think it's healthy. I think it's good because if I'm sitting here and having a conversation with a bunch of guys who went to my, to St. Louis U high with me, our life experiences are just different than say somebody who went to Vashon, you know, and that doesn't mean one is better than the other or one is good and one is bad or we're bad because we had the privilege of going to St. Louis U high, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's a reality and I think it's good. You know, anytime somebody kind of either seriously or jokingly talks about me doing something in politics, I always say, like if it had to do with the city of St. I always say one of the first things I would do before I even would do anything actually would be spend a hell of a lot of time in North St. Louis. Not because I'm trying to get their votes, but because I need to understand what the hell's going on. And I haven't been there. I mean, I've been there, but I haven't like been there. I haven't talked with the people who deal with what goes on in North St. Louis on a regular basis, which is a, certainly a different life experience than I had growing up in South St. Louis. And I think that's the right thing to do. So when it comes to women in the workforce and specific to the workforce element that I had a, a role in, that's what, that was very important to me. But the, the, let's the, Hannah, Hannah Yates, who I hired, uh, was not hired because she was a, a woman, and I believe still is. That was a wonderful statement because she's a woman. She's hired because she was incredibly, and still is, talented on the air. And on top of it, by the way, till we had Cam Jansen, I think the best hockey voice we had on the radio station. I mean, she knows her shit. You know, I mean, God bless her. She's talented. But I, I like the fact that that can give so we could bring Hannah in when she was hanging around TMA and get a female perspective. It was very important to me. I remember having a conversation. Um, I guess it's all right to say. I don't know why it wouldn't be. Uh, with the management person, this person isn't a public figure, so I won't say him. But I will say with Mike Claiborne. Uh, and then also a management person at a different radio station. And this was, I think it's when I was at 920. And I said, um, you know, I said our entire lineup is white. And I'm not trying to heal the world, but... I would like to, you know, you know, the nature of the beast is the people who reach out for jobs almost all of the time are white. And I don't want to just hire somebody or put somebody on there just because they are black. So that means it's going to take a concerted effort to try to find talent with different backgrounds. So I talked to Mike Claiborne. I said, how can, you know, what would the best idea, you know, anybody, what would be the best place to, to find people? I, you know, I, just to me, I think it's, it's, it's a responsibility, but it's not a responsibility again to like heal the world. I think it's good business. And that's when it gets down to, it. that's what it is. It's business. And the same thing would go with female sportscasters. Like this, this thought process that, oh, well, she's a woman, so she can't talk. Well, fuck that. I got cut from everything. I think if Hannah and I played, I think she would beat me. I mean, played anything. She'd beat me. So it, it, it that, that's just, you know, if somebody can speak intelligently about a topic and or amuse you or entertain you, I don't give a fuck what's going on. 
gay, straight, bi, male, female, Jewish, Christian. I, it just, I, it, I don't care. We're in the business of generating advertising revenue and entertaining people or informing or both. Um, and so that's, that, that's the mindset where I'm coming from. And I remember talking with a management person around trying to find African-American talent. And this person who's been in the market for a long time, he goes, God, I can't even believe he goes, I'm, he goes, I, he said, you know what? I got to say, I know it sounds weird, but I'm proud of you for even thinking this way. And I said, well, I'm not, I don't think it's, it's again, I don't think it's heroic. I just feel like I'm, I'm in a position now to help. And by help, I mean, this business historically has been almost all white guys and that they're not bad because they're white guys. Sorry to fucking certain elements of Twitter. Uh, and certain screenplays. But I think it's in the best interest of a business to have a variety of different opinions. And different opinions oftentimes are espoused from different backgrounds. That's it. Uh, and it was it spoke volumes that it was that people had a tough time finding, you know, or having a solution to the question that I was posing. So now you have my mindset, which then gets us into the question regarding negotiations. And the answer to that question is, I have never, ever thought that way. And, and what you're writing here is not something that I was even aware of. You write, as a woman entering the workforce, what advice would you give to put women, men, or ahead of the flock, as it were? What's your best negotiation advice? Um, women are told to uh, be caring and understanding, whereas men are trained to win. And I'm just like, I don't, I didn't, I'm not aware of that. Uh, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm not aware of that. So I don't, I don't know. You know, I can tell you this, if I'm on the other side of the desk, I, I truly, it's so important. Um, I want the people who are working with me to within the realm of reason for the business and our expenses to be happy. I really do. Not just happy with their, their situation, but happy with the potential growth but also happy when they come to work and they don't dread it. And, and that's not because I'm a great person. It's because it makes the business operate better. So it's essentially selfish, but it, it benefits others. So that's why I say it's not heroic. So I don't want to like, go, Oh, let me see. I can maybe hire so-and-so for, you know, 10% less than this person because she can't negotiate as well as a guy. I just don't, I just don't think that way. I mean, my most key person in sales over the last decade, um, as far as somebody who's been with me for a decade, is Melissa Marr. And I don't go, well, she's a woman. I, I just like, Melissa's great. And I've worked with her a decade. So, you know, you know, she's a woman. It's fine. I just don't think, I just don't think about it. I don't think one way or the other. Um, so... I don't know. I, I, I guess, I guess it's a good question. And I, I certainly am not necessarily giving a great answer, but I think it's a good question. I, especially if it's something that women are cognizant of, I just don't think of it that way. I don't think like, I'm, Oh good. I'm hiring a woman. So that means I'm going to be able to run over a negotiation. That's not how I think, but maybe this is a real thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I, I will say this. I am so aware of how I talk regarding sex and porn and porn stars and so on and so forth that I am, and Melissa has said this, she goes, people ask what it's like to work for you. 
And I, you know, cause they're like, Oh, does he talk how he talks on the radio? And I say, he is the least sexual human being I've ever been around. I'm like, God, that's wonderful. But I mean, that's that I'm just like, I, if anybody said, even, even with that, if anybody said, Oh, Tim, you know, he harassed me. Everybody go, well, of course he did. Listen to how he talks on the radio. So I am certainly aware of that part of the discussion, but I, as far as negotiations go, it doesn't even cross my mind. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. It's one that I've never even thought about, but it's a good question. You are welcome to send your questions in for questions from the audience at T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com anytime. I, I'm looking for, and I don't know if I've gotten yet, a question that pisses me off and I go, fuck you, and I refuse to read it. See if you can be that person. The challenge has been sent. Um, or you can post them on the TMA fan page. But why not email? Ensure your privacy. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Join that TMA fan page. Come on in. The water's warm. Thank you to all of our sponsors for making it possible. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly. Mark Hanna. Evergreen Wealth Strategies. James Carlton. Carlton State Farm Insurance. And, of course, Design Air Heating and Cooling, Seth Goldcamp and his family. They've been doing it for years at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest, and Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. They have that TMA special going on right now. You go out there and you ask for Johnny the Third, or you ask for Chip in the new car department, and you say free dotum, and you get $500 off your car. How do you do? That's new or used. And uh, Johnny Landoff has that buyback program. So even if you're not getting a car from them, uh, they will buy your car. It's Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit. Online at landoff.com. Chevy, find new roads. So there it is. Another edition of Questions from the Audience is in the books. Don't forget, Carolyn Kendall Betts is our guest this week on the Tim McKernan Show. If you missed that, that's presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wall Strategies. Thank you to Gangster Pete for being on the ones and twos. Thank you to you for listening and the sponsors for sponsoring. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.